1: there's a battle going on for the souls of men the taste of war is ever dear. but i am safe within the arms of god's dear bride she is the keeper of my soul she is the church of christ i'll not
2: Ladies and gentlemen, Rick ball of the Gospel Defender Ministries. The message you are about to hear will encourage and equip those who have ears to hear to be a Christian, hold with the armor of a Gospel Defender. I'll not surrender. i a lot of bloviating by religious groups about the doctrine of baptism in water. But little of what is actually said is from the Bible. Every religious body has something to say about this doctrine, but not every religious body says the same thing. The reason for this confusion is because not every religious group is guided by the same book. Some are guided more by their denominational dogmas and creeds than they are by the book of all books, the Bible, the Word of God. It makes little difference what a preacher or a religious group says about baptism unless what is said is based upon the authoritative Word of God. The opinions of men are worthless when it comes to this subject or any other subject within God's Word. What denominational creeds and dogmas teach are totally irrelevant when it comes to any doctrine affecting one's salvation in Christ. The only truth concerning this doctrine is the truth found in the Word of God. Remember... Referring to the Word of God, Jesus said in John 17:17, 17, 17, Your Word is truth. If what Jesus said is true, and God forbid that anyone deny it, whatever the Bible says regarding the doctrine of baptism is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Anything said about baptism that is contrary to what God's Word says about it is not the truth. It is a lie. Therefore, let us in this hour go to the Book of Truth to answer the question, Is baptism in water absolutely essential for salvation? First, let us consider how the Book of Truth answers this question in Mark 16 16. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16 is a quotation of Jesus himself. He said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. You might want to open your Bible and read that statement for yourself. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. As you read those words, ask yourself this question. Based upon what Jesus said here, is water baptism absolutely essential for salvation? As I read that statement, it seems perfectly clear to me. I DON'T HAVE ANY TROUBLE AT ALL IN UNDERSTANDING WHAT JESUS SAID, AND I DON'T THINK THE AVERAGE READER DOES EITHER. YOU HAVE AS MANY MARBLES UPSTAIRS IN YOUR ATTIC AS I DO, MAYBE MORE. IF WORDS HAVE MEANING, MARK sixteen sixteen SAYS THAT BOTH BELIEF AND BAPTISM IN WATER ARE ESSENTIAL FOR SALVATION. This rules out the foolish doctrine of belief only. According to Mark 16.16, baptism precedes salvation. It is not something that one does after he has been saved. Knowing these things, we must conclude that anyone who preaches or teaches that a person can be saved before and without baptism in water is preaching or teaching a doctrine contrary to that which was stated by Jesus in Mark 16:16. 16, 16. For me, I believe that Jesus Christ, who died on the old rugged cross for our sins, knows more about this doctrine of baptism in water than does any preacher or teacher living today. So I believe I am on firm and safe ground Tell you that unless you have obeyed what Jesus said in mark sixteen sixteen, you are not saved. Next, let us consider how the book of Truth answers this question in John three verse five, like mark sixteen sixteen john three five is another statement made by Jesus himself. He said, most assuredly, I say to you. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now don't take my word for it that I am reading it correctly. Read it for yourself from your own Bible. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The interpretations and explanations of what Jesus means in this statement are many and varied. But there can be only one correct meaning. Not only do the majority of biblical scholars agree that the water of John 3, 5 refers to water baptism, but more importantly, the Bible itself demonstrates over and again that it refers only to the water in water baptism. We need only one piece of holy writ to verify this conclusion and we have just heard that piece of holy writ in Mark sixteen sixteen. In view of what Jesus said in Mark sixteen sixteen, to what else could the water refer in John three five except water baptism? If it refers to a baptism in the Holy Spirit, then our salvation depends upon the will of the Father in heaven for only He can administer Holy Spirit baptism. And if our salvation depends upon His sovereign selection, then He is a respecter of persons which contradicts what is said of Him in Romans 2, verse 11. In view of Matthew 28, verse 18, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Since no apostle could or ever did baptize anyone in the Holy Spirit, to what else could the water of John 3, verse 5 refer but to water baptism? In view of the eunuch's question in Acts 8, verse 36, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? What else could the water of John 3, 5 refer except water baptism? The water of childbirth will not work here. The eunuch was not with child, as they say. Water, being symbolical of the Holy Spirit, won't work either. Philip saw water, and Philip wanted to be immersed in it. So ask yourself this question. Is baptism in water absolutely essential for salvation? The eunuch wanted to be saved. So it has something to do with salvation. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Anyone who preaches or teaches that a person can see and enter the kingdom of God Before and without being baptized in water is preaching and teaching a doctrine contrary to the doctrine taught by Jesus Christ and his apostles. As for me, I will continue to believe that Jesus Christ knows more about the subject of how to be born again than does any preacher or teacher living today. So I believe I am on firm and safe ground to tell you that unless you have obeyed what Jesus said in John 3, verse 5, you are not saved. Next, let us consider how the book of truth answers this question in Acts 2, verse 38. It was the Holy Spirit-inspired Apostle Peter who preached in Acts 2, verse 38... Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now what shall we do with these words if we do not accept them at their face value as truth? Since you probably have not heard your preacher preach these words in the way you heard me read them, I suggest that you check me out on this one to make sure I read it right. So go ahead, open your Bible and look at Acts 2, verse 38 for yourself. Don't think only the professional clergy has a lock on this verse. Laymen have as much and often more intelligence as does the clergy. So take the time to lay it on the clergy in this matter of water baptism being essential for salvation. Lay it on them. Why they never preach Acts 2.38 the way it is written. Lay it on them by asking what does for the remission of sins mean in this verse that says repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Ask them. Is Acts two hundred thirty eight teaching that baptism in water is absolutely not essential for salvation? If it isn't, what is it teaching? Acts two hundred thirty eight sounds a bit like Mark sixteen sixteen. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Here in Acts two verse thirty eight an apostle says to repent and be baptized. For the remission of sins. In Mark sixteen sixteen it is belief and baptism. Here in Acts two verse thirty eight it is repentance and baptism. Why should we leave out baptism in Mark sixteen sixteen and Acts two thirty eight? But not touch belief and repentance in those two verses. Why pick on baptism? If it is belief only in Mark 16.16, why isn't it repent only in Acts 2, verse 38? I decided long ago to accept both verses just as they are written. What Jesus said in Mark 16.16 and what Peter said in Acts 2.38 teach that baptism in water is absolutely essential to receive salvation. Both statements are crystal clear. I don't have any axe to grind with either one of them. Belief in baptism and repentance in baptism result in the remission of sins. If Apostle Peter knew what he was talking about, and I think he did, repentance minus baptism in water results in nothing. According to Acts 2.38, no one has his sins remitted until he is immersed. No immersion, no remission. If what some preachers preach is true, that your sins are remitted or forgiven before you are baptized, then it must mean you are saved before your sins are forgiven. And if you buy into that one, I have a piece of real estate down in the Amazon forest I would like to sell you. Personally, I believe that Peter knew what he was saying when he said what he said, and he meant to say it. Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you cannot receive the gift of the Holy Spirit until you are baptized, then neither can you receive the remission of sins. Next, let us consider how the book of truth answers this question in Acts 22, verse 16. This verse is in the context of Ananias speaking to Saul of Tarsus. Ananias asked Saul, And now, why are you waiting? ARISE AND BE BAPTIZED AND WASH AWAY YOUR SINS, CALLING ON THE NAME OF THE LORD. If you have taken the time to open your Bible to read that verse, ask yourself this question in light of the words you have read. Is baptism in water absolutely essential for salvation? Ananias, what do you want me to do? Arise, Saul. But why, Ananias? So you can be baptized, Saul. But why do I need to be baptized, Ananias? To wash away your sins, Saul. You mean I wasn't saved back there on the road to Damascus, Ananias? As a matter of fact, Saul, no, you weren't. You mean even though I talked to the Lord and saw the vision— I wasn't saved, but still in my sins. You got it, Saul. But Ananias, I have been praying and fasting for three days and nights. You mean I haven't been forgiven by my prayers? Yes, 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 I know that, Saul. And more importantly, the Lord knows that. But Saul... Until you arise and are baptized, you have not had your sins washed away, and you are not saved until your sins are washed away. Ananias was not part of a faith-only group of preachers. If you choose to think that Ananias was a water salvationist, go ahead, you can do that. But the fact is, He preached what he preached, and there is no justifiable reason to believe that Saul of Tarsus did not obey the preaching of Ananias. Those who preach that baptism in water has nothing to do with salvation are hard pressed to answer the question, Why was it that Saul did not have his sins washed away until he was immersed? Those who teach and preach that salvation is received before being baptized in water would have us to believe that salvation is received before being baptized, before having one's sins washed away, not by water but by the blood of the Lamb shed at and on Calvary's cross. That would be removal of the sin a bit too soon. The book of truth says that the sins of men are washed away only at the point in time of being immersed in water in the name of Jesus Christ. For me, I will take the word of God's chosen disciple Ananias over the word of denominational creeds and dogmas. And now once again, let us consider how the book of truth answers this question in Galatians 3 verse 27 was to the churches of Galatia that Paul wrote these words in Galatians 3, verse 27, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. As far as I can tell, these words by themselves can be easily understood without any outside professional help. Those who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. AND THOSE WHO HAVE PUT ON CHRIST DID SO WHEN THEY WERE BAPTIZED INTO CHRIST. THE CONVERSE IS ALSO TRUE. THOSE WHO HAVE NEVER BEEN BAPTIZED INTO CHRIST HAVE NEVER PUT ON CHRIST. ONE WHO HAS NEVER PUT ON CHRIST IS ONE WHO HAS NEVER BEEN BAPTIZED INTO CHRIST. WE SEEM TO HAVE NO PROBLEM WITH UNDERSTANDING THIS WHEN IT COMES TO OTHER THINGS SUCH AS A PERSON WHO IS NOT WEARING A COAT is a person who has never put on a coat. Who would argue that a person who is not wearing a coat has put on a coat? To put on a coat requires a person to get in the coat. To get in the coat requires a person to put on the coat. We seem to understand all this when it comes to coats, and yet theologians deny this truth when it comes to putting on Christ in baptism in water. No one in Christ is in Christ who has not put on Christ, and no one has put on Christ who has not been baptized into Christ. I think if I speak any more on this obvious truth, I'm going to get dizzy, and denominational doctrine will make any person's head spin. So consider the person who has never put on Christ. Is he or is he not? saved. Who among us would believe that one can be saved but not be in Christ? Only those trapped in the web of denominational belief-only salvation would believe such nonsense. We are told that baptism in water is not essential for salvation, that one can be saved without it. Yet the Word of God says, without and until one is baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ." One is not in Christ, if what denominationalism teaches is correct, and it is not. But if it were true, there are people walking among us who are saved, who have never put on Christ. Who can believe such nonsense and foolishness as this? Only those who believe one is saved before and without being baptized can wrap their minds around that one. Getting saved before putting on Christ is too soon. I will take the word of an inspired apostle of Christ concerning this matter involving salvation in Christ over the word of an uninspired denominational preacher or group of preachers their doctrine is insufficient and untrustworthy. There is more we could say regarding the question, is baptism in water absolutely essential for salvation? But whatever else we would say is in no wise needed to adequately answer the question. So we will let God be true, but every man a liar. A man told me one time, I guess we'll have to wait until the judgment to see who is right on this one, and sadly that is the truth. I can only hope that he will remember before it becomes too late the question asked of the Lord in Luke 6 verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? There's
1: a battle going on for the souls of men, the taste of war is ever near, but I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride, she is the keeper of my soul, she is the church of Christ, I'll not surrender.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, Rick boss speaking. You have just heard another Gospel Defender Ministries radio broadcast brought to you by the church that Jesus built that preaches all of the word to all of the world. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. So find someone today who will immerse you into Christ today before it is everlastingly too late. Our mailing address is Gospel Defender Ministries, Post Office Box 575 Chillicothe, C-H-I-L-L-I-C-O-T-H-E, Chillicothe, Ohio, Zip, 45601. You can also contact us through the World Wide Web at gospel-defender.org or by email at agosdef, A-G-O-S-D-E-F, agosdef, at roadrunner.com. At your request, a written transcript or an audio copy of today's message be sent to you free of charge with no obligation from you now or in the future. We need to hear from you as soon as possible, so please take the time to contact us today. Now until you and I meet again at this same time and at this same place, our prayer is that you will be steadfastly set for the defense of the gospel.